Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you're here today for this episode of Hope for Hard Times. The title of today's episode is Blessed to be a Blessing. It's episode 12 of our new series, and this is the episode for Sunday, September 24, 2023. Suffering comes in at least four aspects. There are probably many more, but these came to my mind right away. One aspect of suffering is us. Have you ever done something that you did and you thought, why did I do that? Because it brought suffering into your life. Either you did something wrong or you didn't do something, but it was something that you did or didn't do that created the whole experience of suffering. Everybody listening and yours truly, we've all done that. And then human life is just loaded with suffering since the fall of man, disease and crime and all kinds of things that occur are just common to being on this earth. Then another aspect of suffering is from others. Maybe you haven't done something wrong, but others are giving it to you and you're suffering because of how others are treating you or mistreating you or maybe ignoring you, whatever may be happening. It is a um, an aspect of suffering. But here's one that sometimes we don't think about. The aspect of spiritual opposition. Now, it may come through people, but it's ultimately traced back to Satan and his demonic helpers. That is a very real aspect that we often overlook. Like, wow, isn't it a coincidence that this happened and that happened? Well, I'm not a an expert on whether it could be a coincidence or not, but I'll tell you this, I think many times, more often than we realize, some of the things we go through are because we are living for the Lord Jesus Christ and Satan tries to hinder us and oppose us. That can be very real. Now, did you know that it's a powerful witness to the reality of Jesus Christ when we suffer as he suffered? We bless and curse not, even in suffering. You know, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus said these things in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 17 to 21. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. 
Basically, when we come to 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12, the very first word that we see there is finally. Now, we know, obviously, it's not the end of this first letter of the Apostle Peter, but he's summing up some things that he has just gotten through writing. So we could put it like this, where it says, finally, and then he goes into what he's going to say, we could, we could kind of paraphrase it this way. So, to all the church members, even the masters and the servants, the husbands and the wives, everybody in your church, all, be ye all of one mind. And then he goes into that. So, he's summing this up, that everything and every group and person that we've seen in First Peter chapter 2 and 3 They were all, whether they were high or low, whether they were rich or poor, they were all part of the church now, and they were blessed to be a blessing to each other inside the church and to endure suffering in all its forms differently than the lost world would handle that. You know, I had a a very brief window and privilege to meet the great Christian Bible teacher and author, John Phillips. I have several of his books. If you don't have any John Phillips books, shame on you. Get some. Exploring Revelation, Exploring Genesis, and many others. John Phillips had a saying, to dwell above with saints we love, ah, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, that's another story. (laughs) That's what John Phillips used to say. Well, think about that as we look at 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12. So what we're going to see here, we definitely should should, uh, do these things, and some of them we should not do in the church toward each other. But then it, it moves outside the church community to how we are to respond to the world we're in that Jesus said hates us. Get a grip on that. We do not live in a world that loves Christians. And if you ever thought you did, they were just faking it until they could make it. And finally, the world feels completely free to despise Christians today and to hate Christians, no matter how faithfully we may or may not live according to the Bible. All right, 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. Now, let's just stop right there and break out these two verses. Finally, be ye all, and that goes back to the church members, the masters, the servants, the husbands and wives, all of you. Be ye all of one mind. The Greek word is homophron, and it means to be of the same mind like to have the same outlook, to have one heart about a matter. You could say that 
That team all had one mind to win that championship. And they put aside, for example, their differences and anything that would hinder them because their one mind enabled them to win the championship. That's the idea here. Be ye all of one mind. Does that mean you have to, um, everybody has to like the color blue? No, although that is the best color. I like blue. (laughs) But you might like red or yellow or green. That's great. Those are non-essentials. But we are to be, all of us, high and low, married and unmarried, whatever our, our position or status is within the church, all of us are to have the same mind, one heart, over the essentials of being a Christian, of sharing the gospel, of loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, be ye all of one mind. If you find someone in your church who is constantly creating division, they are disobeying this. And they may even say they're doing it for a allegedly good reason. There's something wrong with someone who constantly creates turmoil. All right? Now, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. This word, the Greek word, if we put it in English, means to share the feeling with. Whether that person is in a, in a state of suffering and pain or they're joyful, we're to have compassion one of another, share the feeling with. It's literally to suffer with one another. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, Philadelphos. It means to, to love like uh, brothers from the same mother, you know, children from the same family. And basically, this was a, a distinguishing mark of Christians. Did you know that? In the early church, those who were not Christians began to say about Christians, behold how they love one another. This is completely a, a thing not to be expected in the, the New Testament world, the Greek and Roman world in which the church was born. They loved as brethren. And we're told here that we are to do this. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. Be pitiful. What does this mean? Well, it has the idea of be warm and tender with one another. You know, not gruff and cold or aloof. That's not being a Christian. Be warm and tender. A.T. Robertson, the great Greek scholar at Southern Seminary about 150 years ago, said it's, it's literally means be tender-hearted. Finally, be ye of all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. This means to be humble-minded. And you know, if you are humble-minded and you have the mind of Christ, you're not going to be getting into battles with all of your brothers and sisters in Christ in your church fellowship. And you, you are going to be respectful and I like the word courteous right here. You're going to 
treat people, even if you have to deal with them about a matter, you're going to do so in a very humble-minded, respectful manner. So Peter in verse 9, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of God, he is going to you know, flesh this out. How does this work? Well, verse 9 tells us, not rendering evil for evil. You know what that word evil means? It means evil. <laughs> not rendering cacos for cacos. We are not to render evil for evil. Well, he did this to me, and I'm going to do it back to him. That's not right. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. What does railing mean? I mean, it's going insane, and it usually involves, in our world, profanity and just letting somebody have it. So, well, they deserved it. Well, they probably did. But it doesn't look like the Lord Jesus Christ to let it rip on somebody, okay? If you think that you're being righteously indignant when you treat people that way, man, have you got another think coming, all right? Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary-wise, like completely opposite of that, blessing. That in Greek means good word. You say a good word uh, to or about someone. Now, let me reread that. But contrary-wise, blessing. It's the Greek word eulogio. And we have an English word that comes directly from that. And a eulogy. He delivered a very wonderful eulogy at the funeral. You know what that means. Somebody got up and it feels like Sometimes they lied about the person, right? But, you know, they said good things about the person, right? They did not disparage the dead. Now, hopefully the ones you've heard have all been true, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. But it's a speak a good word. You know what? We shouldn't reserve that just to after somebody's gone at their funeral. Say good things to them and about them while they're living and they can benefit from that. Contrarywise, blessing. Say a good word. Some time ago, someone made a, um, I, I just hardly could understand it, the anger and bitterness someone had um, that I don't think I did what they thought I did, but anyway, they just let it rip in writing. And I, uh, you know, by an email. So, you know what I did? I just thought like, it was, it was irritating, this is true. But you know what I did? I just said, I, um, I emailed back, since that's the form they chose to communicate in, and I said uh, thank, something like, thank you very much, God bless you. I, I literally delivered a eulogy to them, a good word. Now, um, it's up to God, you know, what happens after that. But I'm just saying, that's... That I don't always do that, by the way, so I'm not lifting myself up. But I'm just saying that's an example of uh, I could have given it back, but you know what? I just didn't go down that road. I just said, thank you. And uh, sometimes it might even be true where we say, thank you, I'm even worse than you think I am, but thank you very much. God bless you. Try that the next time something happens to see see what happens. Knowing that you uh, that ye are thereunto called. What what is he talking about? The idea of, of a blessing. 
knowing that ye are thereunto called. God has called us to be like this and do this. Why? That ye should inherit a blessing. Did you know you're, you're going to get an inheritance? You are in heaven. And I think we get some of that here when the Lord blesses us, that you should inherit a blessing. That is a good word. Where does that come from? That comes from God. So you get the idea. Stop all this retaliating and, and uh, uh, being a drama queen and putting it on YouTube and recounting your episode on Facebook. Listen, that stuff's just got to stop if you're a Christian. All right? Just let it go already because that's not being like the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for, and, and Peter here is going all the way back to the 34th Psalm in the Old Testament of the Bible, verses 12 through 16, when he's uh, quoting that here to Christians. For he that will love life, do, do you want to have a life that you truly love? For he that will love life and see good days, who doesn't want that, right? And I'm not into the whole best life now thing, but, you know, this is, this is the true best life now, what we're about to read. For he that will love life and see good days, let him wait for it. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. You know what that word means uh, where it says refrain his tongue, let him refrain his tongue? It's, a, it's another English word that is almost just like it. Restrain his tongue from evil. I was just about to let him have it, and I remember that I belong to Christ. I put everything in front of the Lord. I, let, I turned it over to the Lord. He Help me forgive, and I did not unload on that person, right? That's what you need to be able to say more and more often. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain or restrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That is no attempt to deceive someone, lead them astray. Verse 11, he's still uh, dealing with Psalm 34 here, let him eschew evil. Now, we never use that word in 2023, right? I, I can't remember the last time I ever used that, <laughs> just in regular conversation. Let him eschew evil. What does that mean? It, it has the idea in Greek of uh, bend something, you know, like you're, you're bending your path completely out of the way of evil. Okay, there's some effort and activity involved here. Let him eschew evil, that is avoid evil. Go out of your way to, to walk a, around or avoid evil. And see, it's not enough just to avoid evil. That, that's good, but there's the whole thing is let him eschew evil and do good. 
So it might involve being a blessing even to someone who is blessing you out, so to speak. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. That means chase it down, pursue peace. There are so many good things that come from letting something go and striving for a, a, an honorable peace. Like if you think of literal war between countries, think of how many young men will not be dead after the war, how a countryside will not be decimated after the war. But of course, that's not how the world usually goes, but you can see how that would be so much better. And in terms of human relationships, how relationships could be uh, retained or restored if we were more intentional about eschewing evil and doing good and seeking peace and ensuing it. Now, right about now, some of you who are listening saying, oh yeah, Pastor Ed, give me one good reason I should do that. All right. Let's go to 1 Peter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Did you know that God's eyes are upon you as a Christian, as you seek to walk in the way that he would have you walk? God is paying close attention to you. Now, if you're out and about doing wrong, that probably frightens you. But if you're trying to do the right thing and live the right way according to Scripture, that should be making you feel pretty good right now because God sees who's giving you grief unjustly. You know, if you've done something wrong, you probably deserve all the grief you get. But if, if you're trying to live for the Lord and you're being opposed and persecuted, whether it's just in a, a personal relationship or it's from the government, doesn't matter. If you're trying to do the right thing and you are suffering for that, God is paying close attention to that. And his ears are open unto their prayers. I don't know about you, but when I go through suffering, uh, my prayer life is, is uh, reignited. You know, where I say, Lord, did you hear what they said? Did you see that? Or, Lord, help me to do the right thing in this situation. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Picture God leaning down to listen especially closely to your prayers in this, this type of situation. That's good because God's going to ultimately take care of you. But watch the rest of verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So if you've got somebody making your life almost unbearable and it's not because you have done something wrong, it is because you are doing what is right and you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And they just don't like it because they don't like the Lord and they don't like his word. Amen. I don't know what you did to be so honored and privileged, but God bless you.
you have been counted worthy to walk in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have some homework for you. Oh, no. Sort of like, pop quiz, clear your desk. But it's not that kind of thing. This is all good. I want to give you some homework for extra credit if you'd like to do it. There is a um, website, and I want to give uh, credit where it's due. And the website is called Rooted Thinking. It's about... Christians and suffering and that that type of thing. And there was an article on it by Forrest McPhail, M-C-P-H-A-I-L. And that was posted October 12, 2021. And it's stories of people who have suffered, classic autobiographies and biographies of people who suffered. So your homework is, if one of these things really rings your bell, go read it or find it and be blessed. One is this story of Adoniram Judson, who is an American missionary to Burma. And you can read To the Golden Shore by Adoniram Judson. I think it can still be found on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Or you could read the book Lives of Three Mrs. Judsons. Now, he didn't have three wives at one time. One, two, and three uh, all died, I believe. And, you know, the first one died and he remarried, that kind of thing. But a lot of grief there and a lot of pain and suffering for their family in Burma. We know that country today is Myanmar, a, still a very brutal country. And... Um, his first wife died, then his second, and he lost children too, Forrest McPhail says. He experienced extreme deprivation and emotional suffering. That's what the Judsons knew, but they didn't give up, and the Lord used their work to open that country to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you've heard of Corey Tinboom from the Netherlands, during World War II, Corrie Ten Boom and her sister and her father hid Jewish people until they could get them out of the country and to escape the Nazis. Ultimately, they were discovered and they were sent to concentration camps. And they, uh, except for Corrie, the family died in the concentration camps. So there was a lot of suffering there by Corrie Ten Boom, and yet. God so worked in her life that one time when she was speaking for Christ in a public meeting, she saw one of the Nazi SS guards that had been responsible for her family dying. And she had a big struggle. God pulled her through it, and that man came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's impossible, but it happened. And you can see her story in the movie called The Hiding Place. And you might still be able to get um, the book, The Hiding Place. I'm not sure about that, but it, but the movie is great. Here's another one, Darlene Rose. Darlene was an American missionary to Papua New Guinea. 
and her book, Evidence Not Seen, A Woman's Miraculous Faith in the Jungles of World War II can also still be gotten, is my understanding. Now, Darlene Rose and her husband both went to Papua New Guinea as missionaries. They had no idea that the Japanese would take that island, and both of them would go to Japanese prisoner of war camps as Americans. And they went to separate camps. And Darlene found out after the war that her husband died in his camp. And yet Darlene came out with a great testimony to the keeping power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you one of the stories. I've heard this on Christian radio. Darlene Rose was so hungry in her uh, Japanese prisoner of war camp hut, so to speak, little bamboo cell, I think, that she prayed to God one day and said, Oh God, if you could only give me just one banana, just one. I think that same day, the cruelest guard in the camp showed up at her cell, opened the door with just a grunt and threw not just one banana, but a a complete bunch of bananas into her cell. Amen. Jeffrey Bull was a British missionary to Tibet, and he had no idea, MacPhail says, of the fact that he would end up spending three years in a Chinese communist prison for sharing the gospel. He faced, according to MacPhail, intense emotional and psychological torture at the hands of the communists, as well as physical torture and suffering. But he wrote three books about his experiences and the rich lessons of God's grace that he learned only in those dark times. And you can read about those in the books, When Iron Gates Yield and God Holds the Key and another book, The Sky is Red. I'm told they're out of print, but somehow, some way, you might still be able to get that. And I'm told that his story, as, as he told it himself, his Jeffrey Bull testimony is on YouTube. So that will get you some extra credit too. And many of you know the name Johnny Erickson Tata, an American who it was, had a life-changing spinal cord injury in a diving accident a complete paraplegic, I think the proper term is uh, actually quadriplegic in a wheelchair after that for decades and still ministers, and yet she's got an amazing testimony of God's grace in that suffering, and she has ministered to probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are in similar situations. Now, let's see. Here's another one. You remember, some of you are old enough to remember, or maybe you've seen the the photograph that has been sent around the world of the little girl during the Vietnam War 
back in the 60s and 70s, who was, her clothes were burned off by napalm. Do you remember that? And she's running in absolute pain. And a, uh, I think it was a life or look photographer, or AP photographer, somebody saw this and took that photograph. And it was on the front of that magazine uh, or newspaper, whatever it was at that time. Everybody in the world saw that. That little girl has a name. It's Kim Phuc Phan Thi. She is Vietnamese and now Canadian. And you can get her book, Fire Road, The Napalm Girl's Journey Through the Horrors of War to Faith, Forgiveness, and Peace, Fire Road. The, that's uh, apparently a second book, Peace, Fire Road, The Napalm Girl's Journey. You can get those wherever books are sold. That's the girl in that picture. And if you read her story, she comes to Christ and records a journey of faith that went from Vietnam to Cuba to Canada. And it's, it's an amazing story. And you can also watch and listen to her testimony on YouTube, Kim I'm going to spell her name, K-I-M, first name, P-H-U-O-C, Kim Fook, testimony on YouTube. And that'll probably come right up, even if you misspell it. Here's another book, and I saw this movie at our church. But the book um, and the movie are called The Insanity of God, A True Story of Faith, resurrected. It's by the author Nick, N-I-K, Nick Ripken. He was an American missionary to Africa, and now he's an interviewer of persecuted Christians around the world. Now, I'm just going to quote the author McPhail right here. This is an incredible story. It begins with great suffering witnessed by Ripken in Somalia, and experienced in Kenya with very personal loss and grief. Their faith is shaken by these experiences. Ripken then goes on a worldwide journey to interview Christians in very hostile situations to learn from them what allowed them to endure the sufferings that they had experienced with such grace and the author McPhail says, this is a must read. And I would say, yeah, you either need to read the book or see the movie. And then one more, Saving My Assassin, a book written by Virginia Prodon. She's Romanian. She, of course, lived in Romania under the communist regime of Ceausescu before Romania was freed. And McPhail says, this is the account of a young Romanian attorney during a brutal communist regime. It tells of her story, her journey to faith in Jesus Christ, which began as she saw Christians persecuted for their faith and sought to help them legally. She faced more and more persecution herself as a result. One incredible part of the book is when she comes face to face with someone who once tried 
to kill her. And we read how the Spirit led her to respond. So there's an audio book version of this resource, Saving My Assassin by Virginia Prodon. All right, that's all of them. That's your homework this week. I hope that you will avail yourself of something that I've just told you about so you can grow in this idea of suffering and being a blessing. You know, we are blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to give you a phone number if you need help becoming a Christian or you have questions about the Christian life. If you're not calling me, but you're calling a Christian ministry with counselors on the phone who can help you, 888-388-2683. One more time, 888-388-2683. Hey, I'll be back next week with episode 13 of Hope for Hard Times. Please like this episode, share the podcast right now from where you're listening, and follow the podcast so you can hear every episode when it's posted. Thank you. Bye-bye.